podcasting from Chico, California, tucked in between some of Northern California's best freshwater fisheries. This is the Barbless Podcast, a podcast about NorCal fly fishing, guiding, fisheries management, and sustainability. If you have ideas or any questions for the show, leave the guys a voice message on the Barbless Podcast hotline, area code 530-636-2523. Also check out http colon slash slash podcast.barbless.co, where you can download past episodes and show notes. Be sure to follow them on Instagram at barbless.co and connect with them on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash barbless.co. Here's your hosts, Chad Alderson and Nick Hanna. Fish on. Hey, welcome to another episode of the Barbless Fly Fishing Podcast with your host, Chad Alderson and Nick Hanna. Today, we have with us Jordan Romney. Jordan, how are you doing? Doing great. Good. Thank you for coming, man. Hey, before we, we dive into it and we get into your background, I, I need to plug a few things, uh, new, some new programming formats that we have that I want to share with you guys. Uh, one's the fishing reports. You guys may may have heard those. Uh, we've done two so far. The second one is uh, wh- who, who thought, what was the uh, the uh, country guy that everybody thought it, it was a voiceover actor for? Oh, let's sound like the Marlboro man. Yeah. Are you ready to rip some lip this weekend? That's how it starts. That reminds me of my uncle. But anyway, um, those are new. We're going to be doing those uh, once a week. Uh, look for them on Fridays. Guides, if you're listening, it's pretty easy to get involved. You just call 530-636-2523, leave a voicemail, and we'll take it from there. If you mess up, just call back in, leave another voicemail. We'll get the, the hint and uh, edit that into the next fishing report. Put, uh, put Jordan, your, put your phone number at the end. Yeah, put your plug yourself. Put your phone number at the yeah, end. You, Jordan, you had a good report. Yeah, that was, it was awesome. Uh, that was Puta Creek. Um, it's a good good one to listen to. Uh, we're going to talk about Puta in just a bit. Uh, the next thing is the on the water series. So Nick and I had this crazy idea that we'd get these uh, lav mics, which uh, you use. You basically plug them into your lapel. It's a little hip pack, and um, you can basically do uh, wireless recording. So we did a few on the water series that we we tested in idaho uh they turned out really nice um the second one i think published yesterday which was jeff october first jeff helfrich with um tight lines outfitters in idaho um listen to those they're on the water you can hear the paddles in the background it's pretty cool you might fall asleep so i don't know if you want to drive <laughs> but it's uh you know not because it's boring it's just the uh relaxation <laughs> meditation uh, the last thing, if you guys have suggestions, call the same hotline, 530-636-2523. And last but not least, if you have time, uh, if you could leave us a review on iTunes and Google Play Store, that'd be awesome. Thanks. So without further ado, Jordan, how are you doing, man? Doing great. Thanks for coming in. Where have you been fishing lately? We always, That's our first question always. Yeah. So we're running in, let's see, October 1st of the past month. I've been all over the board. I've been on the Yuba some days. I've been on Pewter Creek, which is my home waters. Um, I've been on the Feather a little bit, and I've been on the Truckee a bunch. So right now, ton of miles on my truck. But wow, I'm all over the place. Every day. What are you doing? Anything yourself personally, or just been guiding the whole time? Just been guiding the whole time. Nice. I think the last I actually went fishing was some somewhere back in August. Oh wow! Whoa, you're yeah. busy then. Yeah, you know, I get. I, I go fishing every day, but I don't go fishing every day. You know, I take people fishing mm-hmm. every day, which is a big difference. Way but, different, um, yeah. you know, just with 
life and getting busy and, you know, just all the stuff that's been going on and growing up and running a business and trying to buy a house, you know, just all these adult things that are all happening <laughs> this year. You got married too, right? <laughs> got married. I got a baby on the way. Damn. This is a big year. So, you know, I still love fishing and, you know, sometimes I'll try to squeeze in an hour after, you know, a half day trip or something. Um, it's just, you know, a few less days to actually go fishing myself. Um, I actually had the conversation with the client the other day and I said, you know, I don't really get to go fishing as much as I used to, but now the time that I get to go fishing, I make it pretty efficient. So where did you, where did you grow up to learn all these skills for the guiding trade? And So I grew up in a little town called Winters, California. Oh yeah. Off 505. The, right off 505. For the yeah. fly fishermen, it's 10 minutes from Pewter Creek and that's how right. I'm so intimate. Yeah. And you know, I know so much about that. I place. hit it every time I go to the Bay Area on business. I'll either go, I'll do it on the way down or on the way back up. Yeah. And that's, you know, draw, that's a big you know, part of my business is, you know, Napa, Sacramento, Bay Area crowd. You know, it's a very urban fishery. You know, it's not tucked away in the woods. Uh, but, I mean, it's a great one. And, you know, I, I grew up fishing. You know, my dad taught me and my brothers to fish. And I broke the mold and started the fly fishing in the family. Mm, you know, nice. I like to fish. My brothers kind of like to fish. But I, you know, I loved it. And as soon as I got a driver's license, the whole world changed because I could go fishing whenever I wanted, not just when my dad, you know, could take mm-hmm. me. And when I, you know, started fishing on my own, I started fishing new places, I could start to see more people fly fish. And at that point in my life, I'd caught so many fish with the spin rod. I looked at it and I said, that's what I do from now on. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. So you just kind of, you just did it yourself. You didn't have anybody that any, a lot of guys, you know, their dads or their grandpas get them into it, but you just kind of bootstrapped. Well, you know, as a 16 year old kid fishing on Pewter Creek, you know, a lot of the, the people that were fishing back then, whenever you see a 16 year old kid, you know, running around and beat up waiters, you know, duck yeah. waiters, uh, <laughs> they want to help. And so, you know, I just got a lot of encouragement and I learned a ton right off the bat. You know, I wasn't, you know, some just some guy out there. I was just this eager kid that people would see all the time. So you know, when they saw that, they would just say, "Hey, what do you use? Let me see your setup. You That's know, what flies cool. you use? Yeah, Are you fishing? No, cool. don't fish there. Go fish up there." I just saw a picture of Puda with um, Jason Lozano holding a pretty tub trout. It was I don't know, yeah, four, four pounds. There's some. There's some bigger. There are. There's, there's some piggies in there. There's some big ones in there. What? Why is that? What? You know, there there's a lot to be said about that. Um, you know, way back when when they built the. Uh, the dams at Monticello and the diversion dam, they landlock some steelhead. And so, you know, they have the steelhead gene that just tells them to get big. I like this theory. The, I think uh, the North Fork, the, I think there's a lot of places around here that are like that. Yeah, you start seeing the tendencies and the way they fight. You know, you see like the way they're shaped and their colors. Right. The biggest key there is they spawn in the winter. They spawn in December and January. And what rainbow trout does that in California? Mm-hmm. Right. So, I mean, that's kind of a, a, a tale right there that, there's something in them that's different than most rainbow trout. The other biggie is, I mean, there is wonderful food life in Peter Creek. The hard mm. part is it's all tiny, right? right? I mean, there's sculpin and, you know, crayfish. There's some bigger stuff that fish eat, but day in, day out, there's millions of midges, mm-hmm. mayflies, little scuds. And I mean, there's not a time where there's not a meal floating down for a fish. So right. it's a tiny black shit game. It's a TBS game. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so puta is a tailwater berryess and that's i think a lot of people are probably shocked right now that if they haven't heard of puta that it's off of 505 in the valley um that's why you know it's always cold it's managed water so that's why there's there's fish in there um 
it is broken up into several sections, though. Can you kind of talk about those access points? They, they number them? Yeah, so it probably makes sense if we go from the bottom to the top because that's how you're okay. going to access so it when you're in, driving in up. town and then up to... Yeah, the, uh, there, there's a, there's Lake Solano, mm-hmm. right? So it goes Barrios, so Peter Creek, Lake Solano. Um, lake Solano is a very shallow, slow-moving river channel, but they call it a lake for some reason. Um, there's not a lot of fish in the lake. There are some big fish at times, but not enough, you know, to to go after outside with guide. Um, so as you're driving up from the town of Winters up 128, you're coming up and the first spot you're going to see is access five. And there's these five and they're literally called fishing access five, four, three. There's not no longer access two that blew out 97 and an access one. So above one, you still have a mile of river to the dam of, of Monticello mm-hmm. of Lake Berryessa. So in between all that, you know, there's, you know, four and a half, maybe five miles of river to fish, right? It just, mm-hmm. we kind of refer to those access spots of, you know, oh, as around, as ra- up above access three, you know, but there's obviously kind of the local names for the spots too, mm-hmm. but it just kind of makes it pretty easy reference points for, for finding access. Yeah. And then, um, are, are there different times of year when different sections fish better than others or is it pretty? Yeah. So the biggie of fishing Peter Creek is, is being there in the right season um, because the the whole reason of being a tailwater is for agriculture water. Mm-hmm. So summertime, the flows are big, you know, six, 800 versus right now, I think it's at 300, which is still kind of high for the time of year. Uh, but, you know, half the river just exposes a lot more places to fish. You know, mm-hmm. at 200, there's even more places to fish. I mean, the fish don't leave, but your access to get there to fish to them becomes smaller when the river's high. Can you float it during the summer? Um I wouldn't recommend it. <laughs> Not if you like your boat. Okay. <laughs> um, I've been pretty successful and creative about putting my raft in. Mm-hmm. There's, you know, it's very dangerous. It's lots of sweepers, a lot of tight places to go through. Um, there's no easy in and outs. There's no places you can back a trailer into. So, you right. know, drift boats are out, you know, big heavy rafts are out. Um, but I have actually had a lot of fun floating it. You know, and it's, it's, you know, spot to spot. You can't just float the whole thing. Um, right. yeah, I mean, it, it can be very dangerous. Just ask the kayakers. I mean, there's a couple of rescues every summer oh, if wow. people just not oh, know what they're getting into. Um, but you know, just to do something different, I, you know, I've been fishing it all my life and thinking, you know, I could put a boat through here. So I tried it and here we are. Is it a tough river to wade? Do you need like a wading staff to... <laughs> Yeah, I, I would recommend a waiting staff. You know, it's, it's not pretty buggery. It's it's slimy. Yeah, you know, it's just a ton of unevenness to it. There's a lot of blackberry bush that you're going through. Yeah, right. You know, a ton of poison oak. You know, your stability isn't always that great. Um, so yeah, I mean, I I don't use one, but I I bring the one for my guests all the time. You know, it's you know, they're not as sure-footed as I am because I'm out there every day. Mm-hmm. So I've heard it's a small um, nymph game. What what kind of tactics do you like to to use on on Puda? Yeah, you know, I mainly five and six X, you know, so pretty small tippet game. Whoa. And eighteen to twenty twos get eaten. You know. They don't always land fish because that's a pretty small <laughs> hook and oftentimes <laughs> a big fish's mouth. Yeah. Um, but that's what they eat. You know, in fishing you have to give the fish what they want the way they want it. So if they're eating size twenty two midges, you fish twenty two midges. <laughs> There's times where some bigger bugs are out and you know, sometimes we get some fish on some bigger stuff and you hope you're there kind of time of year when they're doing that. Um, but you know, day in, day out, they're not going to eat the bigger stuff. 
they're just too smart. They've been in there too long. They've been hooked too many times. I mean, they just know the routine. They know the game. Right. And is there a dry game at all? You know, yes, but not really on any of the big fish. You can have a lot of fun catching, you know, 8 to 12-inch 12, 12 fish on, you know, parachute atoms. Mm -hmm. You know, right. you'll see real scrappy rises and sometimes, you know, pretty aggressive and a lot of fish feeding on top. Every once in a while, you'll fish a run and you'll see a big fish come up and just That's you know, cool. big bubble and you're like, holy crap, let's, <laughs> let's get this guy. And you'll fish it for another hour and you won't see that fish come back up. You ever tried skating mice around in that in there? I have not. <laughs> I've heard of some guys doing it, but... <laughs> sneaky you know <laughs> well you just you drive by that area and you're it's just rolling hill dry oh, yeah. kind of just it, it's, it seemed like it could potentially be something and maybe hoppers at certain times of the year yeah but they don't eat them you oh, know I, I mean there's carpenter ants out you know in the spring and you would expect fish crushing those and they just don't you know huh. it, it's just a very poor dry fly fisher and, and you, hmm. you know i think you know the joke is the fish are too big they they can't lift their bellies off the bottom of the river to go get it. <laughs> what's I the like biggest it. What's the biggest fish you've stuck in that that river? Uh soaking wet. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, probably twelve pound, thirty. You know, somewhere between thirty and thirty one inches. Jeez. I've guided two people that have landed thirty inch fish, and I've seen probably, you know, close to 20, 30, 20, 30 inch fish hooked, but. And they're, are they rainbows or browns? Or? They're rainbows. The the Whoa. brown trout, we used to catch them, um, and we haven't seen them since uh, early 2000s. Oh, wow. Huh. Spawned out of there? They just kind of got pushed so out? They kind of got pushed out. A lot of it had to do with, you know, the rainbows are, you know, the predominant fish. Right. That they spawn in the winter. I've, I've seen rainbows cutting reds in September. You know, so it's just totally it's abnormal. Yeah. And um, just for people listening, because I know you've talked about this on YouTube a few times, um, when should we not be fishing puta because the the reds and the spawning because that's an important thing yeah that's huge that so habitat's so small and it's yeah. it's such a you know it's such a small fishery and it's just such a beloved fishery that the reason white fish is so well is because not a lot of people are still fishing it during the spawn you know growing up everybody fished their december and january that was the season until you know we kind of woke up and realized this isn't the right thing to do these fish need to make more fish for the future um so i i stopped guiding there december 1st through february 28th or 20 you know whenever that leap year is or whatever mm -hmm. and that's kind of a general season like some like last year i stopped you know mid-november because there was just too many fish spawning um mm -hmm. sometimes i'll get out there the last week of february you know it just totally depends on what i see going on with the fish and and the spawn hmm. well for the laymen that don't know what those reds look like and where you know where they're at in the in the, the watershed exactly. Can you kind of just give some general guidelines to yeah. what, what to look for? If you see them on their sides, slapping the gravel, <laughs> get, get out of there. <laughs> I thought they were just trying to sleep. Yeah. <laughs> so if you look at a river bottom, you'll, you'll see the consi consistency that it's dark and it has slime and moss on it. If mm -hmm. you see clean rock, most likely there's That's a reason a, for it. Yeah. If you see big fish in, you know, two feet to six inches of water they don't hold in that you know they're not feeding in that that if if nature told them to do that they would never survive because right. the osprey and the otters would eat them the only reason they're there is 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 to spawn and, and procreate so if you if you're able to fish to a fish for a half hour and it doesn't swim away and doesn't get scared 
there's something else going on with that fish. Right. Mm-hmm. Something right. in his brain is, it's not eating, you know, for the protein. It'll probably eat out of aggression because too mm-hmm. many things are going near its nest or her nest. Um, so, I mean, we just want to stay away from there. We don't want, I mean, a, a female fish, I think, has to turn her eggs once every, I think, minute. So if you hook a fish and you fight it for five, six minutes, I mean, that, that's laying in the fish pretty fast. She's literally, her eggs are dying as, as, as you're mm. fighting that fish. Hmm. So, you know, and they have a finite amount of energy that they put on, you know, to get themselves through the spawn to fight off other fish so that, you know, their genes can go. And when you're fighting a fish, they're using that energy that they're supposed to be, you know, using towards making new right. fish. So, you know, there's a whole, like, we, we can't hunt deer out of season right <laughs> because then we yeah, wouldn't have right. any deer it's the fishery should be the same, same so the fishery should be the same you know and i wish we we could come up with a solution and you know just say that you know it's illegal to to fish to a spawning fish you know regardless of the fish it's just there's too much gray area right there's right. too much right. you know but the way i've always thought too is i mean think of a duck hunter you have to identify species as that thing's flying in at you at 50 miles an hour yeah that's a good analogy yeah we should make fishermen a little bit more responsible of what they're doing well that's the whole idea behind like doing what we're doing right here is getting yeah. out, getting the word out about stuff like that totally. i think it's important same for salmon and steelhead and all those different types of species you know so um puta's tough to fish because it gets a lot of pressure because it's so close to the bay area like how much pressure does it get from the bay oh a lot yeah yeah i uh you know weekends you know, I try my best not to be out there. You know, I try to push people towards midweek. Um, you know, it's so close to San Francisco and Sacramento, you know, an hour. Mm-hmm. So my thing is, you know, it's good for fishing because you spend more time fishing than driving. Mm-hmm. But it also can bring a lot of people into not a very big fishery. So there's times where it can be pretty busy. And I always have my tricks up my sleeve because I grew up there. I know all the deer trails. I know how to get to the spots that, you know, you can't really see and don't really know, you know, too well. Um, it, it's just so easy to get to and, and, you know, to get out and fish that it just brings so many people. Yeah. Well, it also makes it if, if you uh, are really good, you'll be rewarded though. Right. Totally. Um, you know, and it's a good place to learn. Yeah. Like if you, if you learn that, look, you know, if you grew up there or you started fishing there and you've spent three or four years there and you catch con- fish consistently there. You can go You're anywhere. going to be pretty yeah, good where you go you know, else you go. It. And I've heard that about a lot of rivers, but I think Puta is the one in my mind that sticks out like this place. You have to be really good. I've always heard it's pretty technical. Yeah. Yeah. And then, so you're doing just basically like a uh, standard indicator drop on a really fine tip. It sounds like. Yeah. It, you know, that de- depends on the angler. Um, you know, the, the, I started, I'm using seven and a half foot tapered leaders now. You know, are you 5X and you maybe 18 inches of, you know, tip it off that and the two fly, you know, split shot indicator rig. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the 90 degree drop is my preferred. Uh, it's just the fishing qualities of that just produces way better. Yeah. But if I have a beginner start casting that right away, it just comes back in tangles. Right. And if I'm constantly rigging, it's not helping them. Right. Mm-hmm. So um, it depends on the angler what you know, I'm going to set them up with, ideally I want them to use that 90 degree drop. But if I watch their casting and it's, if it's not going well for them, you know, I'll have something else rigged for, that's going to be easier for them to cast it. Maybe not fish as well. At least their drifts are still floating down the river. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's some really, really nice, you know, creative things that you can do. Um, 
you know, white and clear indicators. Right. That's what I was just thinking. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense. Like, yeah. um, we haven't really taken enough steps as anglers to really get into being stealth. Well, they're know? just starting to come out with like like saltwater lines that are clear that float, right? I mean, they've had them, but dialing them in, it's it's kind of a hard thing to do is to set up and create a floating fly line that's that's invisible or totally. clear, right? I mean, so. you you have to take it, you know, any advantage you can get, take it, right? Right. So from the colors you wear, you know, there's still a ton of people that show up with white shirts, mm-hmm. you know, and it's like, yeah, you know, the, like we might not spook the fish, but we might. You know, um, so, you know, white, clear indicators, there's not a one size fits all indicator. You know, I still see people like walking around with like the giant, you know, extra large indicator. I mean, you put that over one of those 25 inch pewter fish that I've seen at all. They're they're done. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Is that what you wear black all the time, Chad? Yep, that's why. Because <laughs> you're, I, I, you're I six was five and at, I was in Sportsman's <laughs> Warehouse yesterday looking at um, camo oh, just to mix it up. Switch it up, huh? Make your head pop next time we go fish. <laughs> How is the – you fish the Truckee a lot too. Is, is there's When I go to the Truckee, I feel like I could have a dry fly rod, a streamer rod, a nymph rod. That's where you take the golf bag. That's where you need a golf bag with all of, your of yeah, stuff. Yeah, setups, I get yeah it. I, it's awesome. I look ridiculous walking down the river. <laughs> <laughs> Not only do I have all those rods, but I have duplicates of it because I'm guiding usually two people. If, if you're if you're going by yourself, it, are you taking a streamer rod, dry rod, nymph rod, and a high stick rod? <laughs> you're, you're four? Yeah, yeah, four. Damn. So I mean, if you're gonna if 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 you fish one, you'll fish a lot quicker because you don't have to go back and grab your, your extra yeah. rods. But if you're gonna bring two, bring four. <laughs> Jeez, you know true. now i know why you guys like each other <laughs> yeah, I, i'm the same way i'll pull in a bunch you know no e- shame so so at least from what i found is dry fly fishing in california you know we're not the best dry fly state right we have places that mm-hmm. seasonally not, are pretty good it's not like montana but or, yeah. consistently isn't great or you know even yeah, even in that consistent dry fly time is usually, you know, an evening game or a morning game or, mm-hmm. you know, there isn't really those places you can just throw dry flies all day and just keep pa- crushing fish. Right. right, right. Um, so I always have that dry fly rod Yeah. in might case, as, in case we hit it and all of a sudden, well, right? holy crap, look at all these no, fish coming up. I've, yeah. I've been there and there's a huge BWO hatch and I had stuck like 10 fish in about 20 minutes and it was a great time, you know, and I wouldn't have been able to do that if I didn't have my dry rod. It was just there. Well, and then in my mind, if I'm running 90 degree drops and I have to switch out a rod and have to cut off a whole leader system to put on a taper leader system, they can throw a dry fly and then now they're ready to go and that, that hatch is done, you know? Right. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, It's a pretty neat fishery. Tons of bugs, tons of bugs. Yeah. And and I want to, I want to, before we dive into the details of the truck, I want to spend a lot of time on this, this segment. Um, Let's start from the beginning. Like, let's break the river down. If we start at, you know, it's a huge, huge river. It starts in Lake Tahoe and mm-hmm. it terminates at Pyramid Lake. That's well over eighty miles, right? Or quite, not quite eighty. It's it's a long. It's it's a bunch of river. That's my point. But can you start from from Tahoe and then just kind of break down the major sections that that terminate into uh, Reno? Yeah. So out of Lake Tahoe to Truckee, you know, that whole upper watershed it's not water that we routinely guide or even really go fishing ourselves. We kind of given up on it. 
Um, a lot of it has because it was dewatered during mm-hmm. the drought. I mean, it was just, you know, some right. standing moving pools. Yeah. Um, they do some stocking up in there and you have a lot of the campgrounds around there. Right. Um, so, and you can bait fish during, you know, the April through October, November season or whatever it is. Um, so we don't spend a lot of time fishing that kind of what we, you know, when we think of the Truckee, it's basically everything from east of town down the state line. As far as Nevada stuff, um, I've fished it. I don't know it that well. Mm-hmm. So coming out of the town of Truckee down to Glenshire Bridge, which is the start of the San Francisco Flycaster Zone, um, really good water, you know, and, you know, multiple opportunities for dry fly fishing, high sticking, streamer, you know, it's got all four. Mm-hmm. Um you're going to find a lot of people there. It's, it's one of those ones, you know, you're driving parallel to a river, you park and it's a pretty flat, easy walk out to the river. Um, summertime, you get a lot of, you know, dog walkers, picnickers and tubers floating the river. Um, one of the, you know, draws to a lot of people and the, you know, people come up with a lot of the hatchery fish that are coming out of the casters hmm. you know, out of that mm-hmm. private section. And I mean, it does have a mix of wild fish, right? but there's a lot of those casters fish that, you know, go you know swim three miles outside of that zone i can't believe how much water was coming down that river this year just going up you know driving along going to south lake it was amazing seeing it has how has that impacted yeah I you're, you're break i interrupted your disc you know yeah dissecting no that the so rivers, we we were scratching our head because the river flooded and it got dirty and muddy after the you know the you know, crazy winter we had and it was about 5,000 CFS when me and some buddies were like, well, is it clear? Yeah. Well, let's try to go fish it. And we crushed fish. San Juan worms? The, the San Juan worm thing was insane. <laughs> so, I mean, any, you know, it does like the fish have to stay wet, right? Yeah. So, I mean, the river got huge. And anytime you could find a big bend in the river, right, they were all those trucky inside. fish that are always so spread out and hidden. Right. We're all just laid up on these inside bends. Wow. And sometimes that was, you know, logs and rocks and picnic tables. And sometimes, you know, it was grassy area with sage So we lost a million flies. Yeah, yeah. But we came up with a lot of fish. Um, and the the worm thing went crazy because, I mean, there's always the aquatic, you know, little worms in the Truckee River. Right. But it eroded so much of the bank that the earthworms were in the water. Wow. Right. So those giant, you know. So we're like natural colors. The, th- the go-to, or were you guys going bright for it the turbidity? It didn't, didn't matter. matter. Just anything that looked like they, a worm. They were just eating, you know, um, until they didn't, you know. And after a while, enough was enough, and they stopped eating the worms. Um, and it was, you know, it stayed pretty big, you know, up until probably around 4th of July, and then it kind of dropped down to normal stuff. And they actually did its same kind of trucky routine, and water temperatures got warm through August, and fishing kind of sucked. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, everybody thinks of summer fishing, and, you know, that's when we're, we're busiest, kind of more for the tourism than the actual fishing. But fishing's always better when it's cold. Yeah. If you're in a sweatshirt, you know, you're, you're going to have probably better fishing conditions because fish like cold water. Mm. Um, let's go back to. Yeah. Well, I don't the, know that. I know that section you've been, you were just talking about down the Glenshire, but the whole yeah. rest of the river. Yeah. We left what would off. You call at, that? We, we, left off, we basically left off at Glenshire. We didn't get to Hurstdale yet, but Hurstdale's where the canyon kind of starts, correct? Yeah, uh, so we have that big San Francisco Flycasters property, mm-hmm. um, which we don't fish or guide. You know, just kind of that unwritten rule, you know, to not... Unless you want to get shot at. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they, they took down the no no trespassing by the uh, 
by uh, Glenshire Bridge, I saw. Yeah, I think they still have a sign for no guiding, which... I, yeah, they do. I don't it's know no if it's guiding, illegal. But it's probably not illegal, but... I think it's they're honoring the high water. Things you respect, thing. yeah, that yeah, makes sense. You know, yeah. I, it, it's an unfair advantage to the other guides, you know, to go in there and get clients fish. Yeah, yeah. Um, we floated through there. It's It's pretty nice good. Water. Yeah. Uh, so below their property to Boca, you know, there's a section in there we call schoolyard and it's kind of that same, it's a little harder access than the Glenshire stretch, but you get a, you know, more wild fish down there. Um, but you also get that same kind of three mile outside the flycaster zone of some hatchery fish. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, you know, so as you go down, the truckies getting bigger and bigger cause you have other reservoirs that adding water to it. Little right. truckies dumping in. Yeah. You have Boca coming in, you have, you know, Prosser reservoir feeding water, you have uh Martis reservoir feeding water, you have Donner. So, you know, and stampede, mm-hmm. you know, you can stampede and Boca are both, you know, the same outlet, but both contributing water. So right there is what we kind of start considering the trophy water where you're getting into the canyon. And this is where the river is going to start getting harder to get to, harder to fish, but way bigger payoffs on wild fish. Hmm. Okay. Um, you know, it was kind of a wild west down there for a long time. There's a huge Reno, let's see, Lake Tahoe to Pyramid Lake bike trail that's being built. And they're kind of piecing it together, which has made access way too easy down there. Oh, wow. Well. Right? So... You know, I, I've always known, not always known, I mean, I've figured out all these kind of hidden deer trails and, you know, ways to get down into some access points, you know, but now here's this, you know, really nice path to walk down. So I've been able to get, you know, clients and guests who, you know, mobility wise in the past wouldn't have been able to get down in there. Um, just finding the spots to get in, just making it easier on the walk to get down and, and find some fish. Um, and, you know, there isn't really, you know, that stretch of water that doesn't have multiple types of ways to fish it you know it's just kind of you know do you want more numbers stick around that upper section do you want bigger quality fish right you know, i've go, heard go that risk it yeah go and that's pretty there. cool like, do you ever sight fish down there in that area or yeah i've heard of some people doing that with big browns and Be- because you have the canyon and the railroad tracks right. right there are lots of places where you can you know get up on the rock you know the, with the buddy system being like mm-hmm. okay there he is that's okay, cool you're, mm-hmm. you're, it's you know too far outside of his zone oh he ate it you yeah know? Mm-hmm. yeah that's super cool um, anytime that's I get fun it, I, I really enjoy fishing like that you know totally if you get two guys that can work together it's a lot of fun yeah i mean guiding wise too it, it's a blast because yeah. you know it's, it's a little different than what we do day in day out you know if i got you know the angler that you know kind of gets it and can get the drift i'm like hey you stay there you know, I'm going up top and I'll call out that fish. And most of the time I'll see the fish. I don't see him eat the fly, but I see the fish's reaction and I know that he ate it, right, mm-hmm, right. which to me, like if I can do that, I'm you, as pumped you as he You kind of caught is. it. You, you got like 40% of that credit. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe 50. <laughs> but you know, buddy system, right? I mean. Yeah. So yeah, that's, um, I've always wanted to go. I've never fished that area. That's, that's the area that intrigues me the most just to to check out because it's just kind of the unknown i, I want to i've always wanted to go down there and yeah, are there like are there like a lot of deep deep pools in there in certain spots or there's some huge you know really long slow moving pools mm-hmm. um and then you know there's some boulder gardens where you know great for high stick check mm-hmm. nymphing um you know there's you know some of those like hundred yard runs where you can swing flies you know or swing big streamers through um you know th- you, you can indicator fish all of it, but you're definitely starting to get into some zones where, you know, why, you know, right. You know, let's, let's do something that's going to get one of these big fish to eat it. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's, it's going to be kind of a low numbers game anyway. Like you might hook, 
you know, four or five under the endo, but you might hook two or three with the streamer. So if your numbers are that close, right? you know, fish something well. a little bit Tug different than, than you can do a- everywhere else. Yep. Tug is the drug. How do you feel about those LCTs coming in, the Lahontan cutthroats? You know, it, it would be great if I think it would work. We just haven't found a scenario where it's going to work. You know, they've, they've, they've tried and they've tried and they've tried. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, maybe maybe this time and this plan is a little different and it works. But if I could have a 20-pound fish for somebody to catch, <laughs> that looks pretty good. Yeah. Do I think that it'll work? Uh, right. I mean, I wish them all luck. We'll see. They're trying to, they're, every fishery and watershed is trying to bring it back to the way it was because of all these dams that screwed things up. So they're talking about putting salmon in some of these upper tributaries that flow into the sack. I mean, they're trying to, they're trying to basically bring these fisheries back as any way they can. And it's kind of, it's a little scary to think about, you know, it's already been screwed up, but what, what's it going to do? to what the already remaining great fishery that that's there, you know? Yeah. When it comes to that, you know, I'm all for it. Yeah. I'm all for giving salmon and steelhead uh, right. specifically Another, a chance. Yeah, totally. Right? It's not hard to, to see that they're probably, you know, biggest enemy of why their numbers are so down is they've yeah. lost their habitat. There was a million to 2 million steelhead in this valley between the tributaries and the valley rivers. And I, I'm now who knows, how many there are, you know, a couple thousand, I, who, who knows? It's right. kind of crazy to think about. So, you know, but you also have to look, you know, even if those dams come down, you put in fish ladders, is the habitat still there? Yeah. You know, right. the, are the feeder creeks of those places still there for them? And like, you know, that, that has to be assessed before you can just like, oh, throw up a fish ladder, right? Mm-hmm. You have to kind of look and see, you know, is that worth the effort? Right. Overall, of course it is. But, you know, there's probably a, a timeline and a stepping, you know, yeah. a way that you have to go about it. Sure. Well, in terms of, um, you know, tactics, rigs, tactics for, for trucky, what do you recommend? What for the, you know, there's the, the pro like yourself and then the casual angler. What, what would you recommend? You know, if you're, you know how to fish, sounds like you're bringing eight rods with you. And, but for the, the casual guy, what's he fish? Uh, let's see. So, you know, probably the most standard thing that you see, um, you know, or the way that, you know, if I'm working at the shop and, you know, somebody's like, I'm going to track you, what should I do? I'm like, okay, the, you know, the standard two fly split shot indicator mm-hmm. deal. Um, you know, but you know, it's very easy to off that deal to say, Hey, flip those two bugs around and put this heavy one at the bottom mm-hmm. and, and just, you know, start fishing some fast water, you know, with 15 feet of line and, and just hold that you know, rod up in the air and let those, you know, fish them some of that fast water. So, you know, if you think of your, your average runs with the indicator, you know, if you make a cast, you know, like my, my judgment's always been your fly is only in front of fish for about 40% of the drift. Hmm. Right. I mean, cause if you're casting up into fast water, it's going to take, you know, you're probably going to lose, you know, five to 10 feet before those mm-hmm. bugs actually sink down. And then how many times have they been eat- eaten before you even know that they've been right. eaten? Exactly. You know, so and that's where, you know, now we'll, those numbers are getting way low. We'll, we'll, we'll get to another, <laughs> another tip too in a second. Um, so there's definitely, you know, the, the indicator doesn't fish well in the heads of runs, right? You know, it's fishing, you know, from that middle run to the right. tail out yeah. way better. Yeah. yeah. So you might as well have a high stick rod to fish the top of the run and then indicate her through the rest mm. of it, right? So you can fish both of it effectively. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so, you know, there's real simple ways, even on, you know, not really dialing in that 
crazy check nymph like way there's kind of more simple ways to fish that check nymph, check nymph style without having to really like carry an extra rod you can just flip the, the bugs around i use a lot of swivels which make things way easier for you know tying different tippets to um you know different diameters and you can you can literally just take your indicator off switch your bugs on and then you know put a heavy bug at the bottom and then high stick right, right. um going back to something you brought up too so you know, here, yeah, I grew up on, you know, one of the most technical fisheries probably in the country, mm-hmm. um, you know, and so there's all these kind of rules that you get into as a beginner, or things that you learn. You set your indicator one and a half times the depth, right? Mm-hmm. That That's great. That is the right formula. How many anglers can walk up to the run and tell you how deep it is? Right. right. You know, until you've, you know, fished it enough, like, you know, you look at color of water and you just assume it's anywhere from t- two to six feet. Well, that's a huge difference in your setup. So, you know, going back to technical fishing, in my mind when I'm guiding or I'm fishing, I count how many presentations or how many casts that guy's done or that girl's done. And if they haven't hit the bottom of the river in one out of four of those, I'm adding split shot. Right. Or I'm adjusting length. If you're not snagging, you're not bragging. Exactly. Right. You got to you gotta lose flies to get fish. You got to get those flies down. If you're hanging up every cast, you have to adjust something. Like probably the biggest thing why people are unsuccessful fishing is because they don't have enough weight on that definition of insanity. Yeah. Doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. Boom. Mm -hmm. If you like, if, if you go through a run and you don't get a fish, go back through it differently and then go to the next run, right? You've either put the fish down, you've put them off. If, if you fish that same setup and the same flies for more than two runs and don't get a fish, what do you, what are you doing? Yeah change it like they're not eating going crazy yeah especially if you have like five more miles of river you could cover that day you know there's no no reason to sit there and break camp no you brought up a good point that's that's a really good thought process on breaking the water down and i bet you do (laughs) a lot of that has to do too with with tempo right yeah i mean i can't tell you how many times i've had an angler move two steps and they hook to fish Right. Mm. Right. Literally in the same spot. I'm like, hey, take three steps up and two steps out. And now cast. And run through <laughs> it and a fish eats. And it's like, you know, change your tempo, work the run. Don't stand in that sa- on that same rock or in that same spot for an hour. Mm-hmm. You know, change. Mm-hmm. Keep wa- changing. And keep watch changing. out for those reds if they're there. And then, yeah. And, and, <laughs> and then when you hook a fish, you know, you you try to always remember, okay, what did I do? What was different about that? You, you're trying to take in all this information and then it's, it's, I guarantee it's you change something, right? And if you just keep doing that, you're probably going to end up with more fish. Well, yeah, you stay in one spot too much. I'm, I'm sitting there waiting for you to get done with the run. And <laughs> right, I do. Come on. I do. Let's pound it. <laughs> it's all right. It's all right. So, Jordan, you mentioned earlier there's, you know, there's a lot of feeder creeks in there. Um, one that, that I'm familiar with that I fished a few times once with you was the Little Truckee. And before we get in and break that that watershed down, let's uh, let's talk about our trip together. My first uh, trip on the Truckee with with Jordan. Um, so I show up, and or we meet we're, we met at at the meeting spot at, on the LT, and um, I forgot my boots, <laughs> and they were in Chico, and I'm in Truckee, and so I'm like shit. Yeah, and, uh, there's probably and not a lot of fly so shops that have size that, 15 boots. At that point, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a 13, man. Um, at that point, what's going through your head? Uh, be honest. Put your sandals on. Let's go fishing. 
Okay, so yeah, so I, <laughs> so I have um, I put flip flops on, and so I've got every, I'm all outfitted, but I got flip flops on. And I'm just feeling like an ass, <laughs> and he's like, "All right," and I'm like, "Okay, I'll try." So he crosses this like little tiny creek that's feeding in, and it's it's kind of muddy and boggy. So he walks across. He's got you know he's got all this stuff on. He just goes right through. So I've got my flip flops on, and I go through, and my right leg sinks down to my knee. And I pull my I pull my leg up, and it just tears the uh, the flip flop up, out, but it, it breaks it right, so it's still stuck in the mud like three feet down. So I've got to like get on my knees, probe for this flip flop. I come up, my arms covered in mud, and I'm now I'm really feeling like an ass. And I'm like, dude, this isn't gonna work. This is not gonna work. And and so we ended up going um, to Matt Heron's place, getting thank God boots and. Uh, you know, my pride and, and some boots. So then we came back and then we got into the, the fishing. Uh, so let's, let's talk about the, uh, the LT a little bit. Um, that's about three and a half miles, four miles. Yeah. Yeah. Give or take. And it's in between those, the two reservoirs, Stamp- Boca and Stampede, yeah. right? Um, characteristics wise, can you kind of break down the water starting at the top? Is Boca at the top or Stampede? I can't remember. Stampede's at the top. Stampede's Stampede, the yeah. upper reservoir. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a wonderful fishery. Um, it grows big fish again as a tailwater. It has a lot Mm -hmm. of similarities to Puget Creek. Um, did it ever go dry during the drought or get close to damn near? No, actually, you know, there was enough healthy water and luckily it's cold that, you know, it, it, they were good. They were good. Um, so the upper watershed, it, you know, definitely holds the most fish and that's why you know if you're ever out there you're gonna see most of the cars and the people fishing you know that upper mile mm-hmm. um and that middle section is the section that trout unlimited uh did their big restoration project mm-hmm. on i think two summers ago and it worked i mean that what they went in and looked at kind of a dead section of river and looked that you know over years of you know having that same stream bed and being right. a tailwater not getting any new right. nutrients from up top that it just needed help and so they That's did this cool. huge project and flew in stumps and boulders and dredged some stuff too right then they they mm-hmm. actually dredged a few spots yeah they re-sloped some banks mm-hmm. they put some trees and logs in it um planted willows kind of reshaped some of the the channels and actually kind of reshaped it so that in a flood year like now a lot of stuff would move around like it would if you know if it was a natural uh freestone mm-hmm um, you know, it's, you, you hear those about those projects that are coming up and who's doing what, um, you know, this is one of those flagship projects that, you know, within months of that project, there were there, the, the fish were there responded. Yeah. They liked it. That's they they liked what they did. Um, so below there, there's the Boynton Mills campground. That's kind of the lower river. And there's talks of, cause there's kind of a dead zone in there too, about another smaller, uh, restoration project going mm-hmm. on just below the camp zone. Um, and then down, you know, there's kind of that famous bat cave area, which is, you know, it, it's pretty good fishing there, but it's kind of that iconic. It's one of the prettiest places you can fish in California with that big cave there. Hmm. And when you wrap around there, then you're at that inlet of Boca, which right now, I mean, the inlet's basically up to the cave and, you know, last year the inlet was three miles or three miles, maybe a mile and a half down from there, you know, cause Boca was so low that that inlet is always going to change on where the lake's right. coming in and going out of Right. Wow. <clears throat> Do um, there's that there's the uh, the inlet right into the the Truckee. Uh, is there there's a, like a little section 
before it gets to, to the reservoir. Do, do you guys fish that ever? I don't. Uh, I'm not clear on the regulations if where or how far up it you can go. Mm-hmm. Um, I do. So on the Truckee itself, I, I fish that side a lot, especially in the summer because that water is probably five to six degrees colder right. than the main stem. So a lot of fish will push, you know, in that inner side because it's cold. You know, I've walked it. I've seen some, you know, massive fish there and been like, oh, you know, this would, might be kind of good, but I'm not really. I know there's a, the train um, tracks go over the top of it. Mm-hmm. And there's kind of that mouse hole I fished in there, you know, and I've come up with some fish and that's legal to fish. I don't know if you're allowed to fish okay. above that mouse hole. You know? And then, so tactics, rigging. So sight it, fishing, you do a little more sight yeah. fishing Dude, on it's this. It's like, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's set up pretty good for that. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. cool. Um, you got to be careful. Uh, I've been trying to get Nick to go. You've you know, got to be careful, really dig it. careful wading that river too as well. I mean, it's. And it's a dry game too. Yeah. Well, as far as stealth, yes, right. but it it, it is easier. it is easy, easy, easy. and yeah. that's one of the the catch twenty twos. Is it's easy to park and walk to the river and it's fish like the river. It's like most of the stones are no bigger than a golf ball. I always know. say, like you know, if you find a place to fall in a little trucky that's over your head, tell me where that is because <laughs> yeah. yeah. I know every inch of that river, and I've never seen a spot that you know you're gonna swamp yeah. yourself. Um, you know, so going from the trucky to the little trucky. Every bug that works in the little truckie will work in the big river, but not right. vice versa. Mm. It doesn't really have the bigger uh, bug life up in the LT. A lot similar uh, to Pewter Creek. Your, your small uh, BWO, small mayflies, midges. Are there yellow sallies that come off in there? I've never seen the yellow sallies too well in there. they're thick on the, on the truckie. truckie. yeah. yeah. Um, the black winter stones, you know, in the dead of winter are really good there. Huh. Um, you know, and as far as like what I found in tailwaters and the the slim profiles is a way to go right you know like the 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 micro maze you know they eat them at times but i think those bodies are a little bit too broad yeah you know the juju brit betis you know just you know they kind of almost when you look at it there's nothing to it mm-hmm. i mean that gets eaten way better than you know kind of the fancier you know kind of broader fatter mayflies um you know there's a lot more scuds in that river and Peter creek that you know, hmm. people in California don't talk about scuds like they do. I mean, you go to Montana, everybody has right. a bunch of Ray Car- Charles in their box. Our right. tailwaters have scuds. Yeah. And fish eat them. Huh. You know, and you look at sow bugs, you know, the same kind of same idea. But, you know, if you go into a shop and they don't have scuds, look for a sow bug pattern. You usually have one hmm. or two. Um, the kind of big difference with the little truckies, it's a really good dry fly game. Cool. You know, um, those fish, they look up and they look up a lot, you know, summer evening time, really good dry fly fishing. Mm-hmm. Um, 6X, 7X, you got to get down pretty low or? Uh, 6X, yeah. 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 You'll, you'll, you'll see some, you'll see some big fish eating on top and you'll, yeah. you'll get a lot of middle fingers from fish on <laughs> right. 5X and 4X. But yeah, you'll, you'll see like their dorsal fin coming just out, going yeah. sharks, through the water. eating otters. So it's I was kind of, kind of telling Nick earlier, like, you know, little trucky fish. You know, versus Puta, because, you know, two really technical tailwaters. I feel like Puta and the rainbows, they're just either, you know, bigger jerks or they just smart, you know, they get a little bit smarter. Little trucky fish kind of keep eating. Um, but they, they have some really cool characteristics that I've noticed. And one is, um, well, this one's kind of funny. Sometimes you'll be like working a fish and, you know, he's kind of slurping every once in a while on your cast. And, and you look down at your feet and there'll be two 18-inch inch rainbow swimming around because they get so used to people because so many people fish it that literally if you take a step they'll charge up and start eating bugs (laughs) um 
The other is, you know, this goes back to the dry fly thing. You know, they've learned that, you know, when they eat a dry fly that, you know, they've made a big splash, right? And then they've gotten caught or, you know, then they've gotten cast you. We've watched fish and it's kind of like that lake grab where they just put their mouth under and go and just suck it. Mm-hmm. That's and cool. pull it down yeah. instead of leaving the big ripple. So you don't really know what size fish it is. So a lot of people are like, oh, that looked like a little rise. And right. it's like, oh, no, no, no. That was a yeah. big fish oh, that's cool. that learned to eat that bug like a, like a little, yeah. you know, no profile to it. Right. Do they have to worry about osprey? Are there a lot of ospreys around there? I'm, it sounds like it. I'm surprised they don't just get hammered. They know? do. They do. Yeah. Okay. You know, you'll see two to three ospreys if you fish there in a day. Okay. Yeah, they're out. They, they kind of congregate more down to the lake. Okay. You know, where, you know, you get a lot more of like, you know, the little smaller size class. I think somebody fish. posted a picture that it looked like it had gotten grabbed by an osprey, you know, yeah. right behind the dorsal, just a big chunk taken out of its yeah, back. Was like, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or a big Mackinac. There's, there's Mackinac that lay up there right from the lake that, oh, really? that, that whacked the fish. Oh, wow. So you, you called in um, last, or was it last week or this last week for the fishing report? And you, you did talk about the LT a little bit. Um, and you said that the, uh, is being worked on and they're going to drop the flows. Is that still happening? Yeah, it's actually done. Okay. Um, they've done it like the past five or six years in a row. Okay. They've been doing these, um, you know, these checks on the, on the stampede dam. And I've been told this is kind of the last year that they're doing it. And you know, they dropped it down to like 15 CFS, which is Whoa. criminal, but wow. it is what it is. And they have to do what they have to do. And, you know, it's not their fault. You know, they have to keep that dam up to code and, you know, but they um, actually shut the river down when they do this. We do. Yeah. You know, we, we say, Hey, please don't fish there. Right. Or, you know, or signs put up. Um, I think TU did put up some signs this year. Yeah. You know, just, you know, it's 15 CFS. Like if you hook a, you know, fish and you release it, it's probably going to go belly up. Maybe not in front of you, but later right. that day. Later, yeah. It's just, I mean, the water's cold, but it's, they're not going to find the oxygen they need to, yeah. to come back up. You know, that's, that's picking on fish. That's not fishing. Right. Um, right. As far as flows, you know, I like fishing the LT when it's high, you know, three to 500 fish is really good, you know, and most people they're used to fishing it like a hundred, you know, 150 or whatever. Um, the lowest I'll go up there is if it's a hundred, mm-hmm. right. Okay. You know, if it's under that, I just won't go. And if you have more water, you'll find fish in different types of water. When it's low, you'll just find them in the pools and the sweeps. And it just makes it, you know, really hard to guide. Um, but it just makes it so spot dependent on where you fish that, you know, if it's at, you know, 300, you can fish the head of the run, you can fish the tail out, you can fish the riffles. I mean, the fish are going to kind of occupy more space when there's more water. So it just, just more fun to fish it. Yeah. And then, um, it gets, you guys get snow up there obviously. And, and that part of that river, that, that access up there, you can't take a truck or you need a four wheel drive to get up in there. Does it fish well during this, during the winter with the snow and you, you guys take snowshoes in there or how's that work? Yeah. The, the saving grace of that river is if we get a good snow year because that road snows in and you can't get back there. Right. Um, some people risk four wheel drive. I know people that have got back there and, and paid a lot of money to get out. <laughs> yeah. You're not getting helped if you get back up there. You know, it can be kind of a dangerous situation if you try to risk the four-wheel drive back there in the middle of winter. Snowmobiles, though. Snowmobile, snowshoe. Um, That'd be kind of fun. And there's, you know, there's Pack that. fly out on the snowmobile and go charge. Super fun. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. And it's and, open I mean, year-round, yeah. It's open year-round, yeah. uh, which is controversial. You know, it's, it hasn't been that way for a long time. And they kind of opened it and said, let's see what the effects are going to be. Um, you know, it, 
the little Truckee is like everybody's favorite river. You know, it, it, it gets a ton of pressure. And the worst things that happened is during the drought is we didn't get that snowpack. So those fish never really got that break. Yeah. So there's a lot of people that are like, oh, we need to close it, you know. But it's not necessarily, you know, the, you know, four to six people that go up there a week in the winter. It's like a couple hundred people that fish there during a week in the summer. Mm-hmm. Right. So there's not really a way to balance it. And I feel that if you're going to risk snowshoeing and snowmobiling back up there to go fishing, good for you. Right. <laughs> you should you should be allowed to go fish right. that sort of stuff. Yeah, right. Get a mulligan. Yeah. <laughs> so you, you fish the, the Yuba a lot, too. Right. Is that what? That's that's closer than Truckee to your house, isn't it? Yeah, it's about twenty minutes. Yeah, yeah. Um, this is that's one of my that's my favorite Valley River, just because of mainly the dry fly fishing that you can experience on it, which hasn't been so great in the past in these past couple of years. Yeah. But maybe you know more about that than than I do. Yeah, I, I mean, I saw some water the 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 flows this year during the high water. Holy smoke! Yeah, we you guys got a ton of water. We, we just don't know yet. We, I mean, yeah, we, we got that huge flood. I mean, we're talking close to 100,000 CFS. Right. Um, you know, it, it's it's a very hard river to fish. Like, right. let's, uh, let's be honest. It, is, yeah. it doesn't have a tremendous amount of fish per mile. Yeah. The fish are beautiful, and they will kick your butt. They are right. the hardest they fight, fighting. They're the, they're the fighters. Yeah. Um, you know, and it's... It, it, it's pretty close to sacramento and it's beautiful and it's good dry fly fishing and it it kind of self-promotes itself you know it's one yeah. of those rivers that everybody wants to fish um but it'll be good one day and then kick your ass the next and you know i i cut my teeth on on puta and the trucky and you know and then i started fishing the yuba and at first i didn't really get it <laughs> right because like it, it, it seemed hard uh until i got a boat and then it was like oh i get it you know um the 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 gravel bars in there, they're not easy to fish from foot. I mean, there's places you can catch a fish at times, but those fish move around so much right. that, you know, your favorite spot, you know, might've been loaded, you know, the week before and now they've moved up or down or whatever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but that being said, it's really clear and it has really good hatches and the fish look up and want to rise, it, you know, January, you know, through July, you know, the year round, those fish will eat a dry fly. Yeah. That's cool. Um, when it came to the flood this year, you know, it totally rerouted that river, you know, that river, it, it shows you the power of water, mm-hmm. you know, just taking a river channel and moving it, you know, a quarter mile the other way, or, you know, it used to go left and now it goes right. Um, I, I think that's de- determines the way those fish fight, you know, it's, just, it's a fast moving river. If you're, you don't, t- if you take the wrong step, you know, you're going to, it's going to knock you down. But I, you can tell when you catch one of those fish how big the fins are on them. You yeah. know they've just adapted over time to that. Fast, yeah, I think you told me like they, they fight pound for pound the best because they're on treadmill their whole life. Oh yeah, yeah, they, they're just constantly <laughs> the, on the treadmill. The that. <laughs> that's a good, that's awesome. I like yeah, that. they just never stop. <laughs> yeah. They, yeah, they're just. Um, but you know, to be honest, what I've seen lately is a ton, a ton of smaller fish. Our numbers are right. hu- huge out there right now. Right. But our what we're catching are very small. Like um, six to 10 inch range. Yeah. Okay. But I mean, I, I had a uh, father daughter and we floated down and they rose at least 20 fish on, you know, on hoppers, you know, never had to change flies, never had Very a cool. And it was like, yeah, this is That's great. Fun. Very cool. But you know, a lot of the fish, you know, couldn't fit the hook in their mouth, you know, it, which the shocking thing is it hasn't always been like that. Yeah. You know, even before the flood, when we would get a lot bigger fish, you'd think that like, you'd get a lot more of those smaller fish. 
Um, we just don't know yet because, I mean, the rivers now flow-wise pretty perfect to fish and, you know, the salmon are going to start, they're, they're starting to come in. Sure, they haven't started yeah. spawning yet, but, you know, the egg bite out there, you know, that, that'll answer questions. Right. The egg bite fishing out there, um, it, it, it fishes unlike the rest of the year. It breaks all the rules, you know, mm-hmm. those fish aren't technical anymore. They're just eating eggs, mm-hmm. you know, or, um, they actually eat a lot of bugs out of season. Uh, I don't know if you, you guys fish the sacks, so you know, when those salmon start spawning and churning up, you have every bug coming out of what was in that nest before. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the, the fish just get behind those salmon. They know it's time to eat. And when the egg white gets going, if we're not coming up with those, you know, 16 to 20 inch fish, then we'll just know that they didn't make it through the flood. Right. Right. But it's not like it's done. Right. This, so this year, you know, I think it got to like 98,000 CFS. Mm-hmm. That flood in 97 got to 151,000 and that's as big as they can measure it. Yeah. Yeah. So a hundred versus, you know, we're talking about. 50,000 more CFS that we could yeah. record. It'll bounce back, even and if it did, did get caught. You weren't fishing it back then. No, I was, you know, I was in high school. Yeah, do yeah. you know anybody that was, and they can compare the two the two uh, seasons? Yeah, everybody's always, it's always going to be better. Yeah. <laughs> it's always going to be. <laughs> they should have been here yesterday, but it should have been here yeah, 20 years yeah. ago. Yeah, and, and maybe it was, you know, and there was a lot less people fishing back then, you know, so, right. you know, fishing might have been way better than I have it. Um, it's just, just how I have it. And I will, I'll call it how I see it. I think fishing's pretty good in my day. Yeah. My experience in the, just in the two thousands is seeing the caddis hatch in the evening kind of fall off. Yeah. You didn't really see as many caddis coming off and then the big fish sipping on them in the evening. We, we would go just float it in the evening, you know, come drive out of Chico and put in late and just float down fishing dry flies, which was super fun. Yeah. But it, it seems like that's not as that, good. That definitely went away. The, yeah, those salmon got, or there's a, the caddis definitely got rocked. Got, yeah, you're totally right on that one. So a lot of the things that did survive are like little mayflies and, you know, so I don't know, maybe the, like you said, we'll, we'll the, see this, this fall. You guys get steelhead up there then? Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, there are steelhead that swim up there. I can't honestly say that I've been very successful catching them personally or guiding them. You know, there's times I've got people into like, you know, 23, 24 inch, like sweet fish that looks very much like a steelhead, but it's like, "Mm, you know, I don't know. Mm -hmm. Like the only legit steelhead that I caught out of there or had people catch out of there fish that took a wrong turn that were going up the feather. Yeah. Hatchery fish, huh? Yeah. Yeah. That's been happening a lot actually the last couple of years. Um, the, the biggie, which I think could be really good is, um, I think the squala hatch, you know, we'll see what happens this winter, but mm-hmm. I think the squala hatch is going to be really good this year. Just looking, you know, with that big oxygenated water all summer mm-hmm. and, you know, looking at the life cycle of the, the, the squala nymph, the stonefly nymphs right now, like <laughs> there's a ton of them and they're kind of that right size that I think it's going to be a good squala hatch. Oh, um, cool. That's usually end of January. Yeah. It's such a fun, that's such a fun time to fish that river. It's just, they go stupid. You know, you talk about them being stupid on eggs. They, they go stupid on those stones sometimes. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, it's great for, you know, for anglers because there's not anywhere else in California that you're really able to dry fly fish in, in the winter. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, it's, it's neat. It's, and it gets technical. Yeah. That's what's, that's what's neat about it. Um, as far as, you know, technique with that too, you know, so fish swallows on the edges. Yep. Yeah, I was just gonna. I was you gonna know the, that. The, and the I didn't want to give our listeners too much information. <laughs> no, fish. What the, are they, they're crawling out, going up the rocks. Yeah, so you know, all stonefly nymphs are really heavy, right? You know, you pull them out of the band, and they got a you know couple big bead heads on them, mm-hmm. a bunch of lead wraps, and that's great for fishing in the middle of the river. But you know, they're they're trying to swim to the edge and crawl out 
and, and get out. Mm-hmm. So when they're on that edge, they're not heavy. They're really light and kind of airy bugs. And so, um, you know, tie them heavy for the middle of the river, tie them light for the edge. Like uh, That's you know, cool. That's a good idea. And, you know, if you're throwing dry flies on the edges, not getting eaten, you know, don't put as much floating on it. Low, bro, put, low profiles. Put a, yeah. put a little, um, a little split shot above it. Hmm. Just sink it a little bit and see if that changes it. Hmm. It's good. That's a good tip. I like it. Ninja. Yeah. The, it's amazing. I've seen them eat a stimulator, right? Rising as high as a cat's back, but then they won't eat, <laughs> but then they won't eat, then they won't eat that. And you're, and you drop it down to something that's got a low profile and right up and suck it right down. You know, it's pretty, pretty neat. I like that. I like that dry fly hatch a lot. Um, yeah. One of the, one of the biggies that we lost last year was the, uh, access to the gun club. Right. Yeah. Um, so now talking about it potentially coming back, heard, heard some rumors out there, which yeah. I'm getting excited about. Cause you know, that it just made it, uh, you know, we're, we're, we have to fish a lot more on foot now too. Right. You know, from highway 20 bridge down to Sycamore, it's hard to do in a full day. You know, there's yeah. not eight hours of floating water to go what, through. What's so. the gun club? I've never heard of that. It's a, it was just an access point that was down below. Um, um, what's that ranch? Uh, Sycamore ranch. Sycamore ranch. Yep. And it was just another access point that you actually had to pay to, to utilize. Mm. Um, but pretty cool. Cause like you said, it just extended the drift and opened up some kind of fresh water for guides. And yeah. How long does that drift take if you put in at the 20 bridge and then you take out so generally, you know, floating, you're, you're looking at a mile river an hour. Okay. You know, so it's about four and a half miles down. Okay. okay. So, you know, it you could just, be a quick float because it it's moving, be. it's moving so fast. Yeah. Sometimes we do it twice in a day. Sometimes, you know, right. you eat lunch. Is it, go ahead. Is it pretty easy to row? Yeah. Um, it, it was, and it still is there. There's a little bit more, um, hair puckering things, um, near the islands at the top right now yeah with the way the river changed you know the first shoot that you go through put you over this big rock that you know when it gets down to 800 cfs i'm gonna be like yeah we're gonna hit that thing (laughs) um so you know um i I always say it's it's a really good river if you're looking to learn how to row a boat because it's got enough to scare you and humble you but overall you're probably not gonna die (laughs) you know you're gonna you're gonna be you're gonna be scared and it's going to teach you some stuff and you're going to get in a lot of easy places where you're going to get confidence too. Um, launching will also teach you how to be really good at backing up a boat. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's changed a lot up there below the 20 bridge. Yeah. Huh? I mean, it, it's going to break, it broke my last truck. So did it really? Oh, I mean just enough, you know, you need four wheel drive to launch there. You're not going down in a Prius. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> definitely four wheel drive is a must if you're going to go down to any of that. Right. Right. That's yeah. That's that's always been kind of a hairball of the launch, right there. It's even worse now. Yeah. Wow. So thanks, thanks for all the awesome uh, information, Jordan. We've uh, definitely appreciate you coming on the show. Tell us a little about how um, our listeners can find you and and book you for a trip. Because um, I know I want to just after listening to some of the, you've taught me a few things, and I've been fishing for a long time. So. Yeah, I mean, my my schedule, literally, I, I get calls sometimes the night before, even sometimes the day of. Yeah. Pretty hard to pull a trip together like that, but I have made it work. Um, you know, it's it's email, phone, text. You know, I, I respond to all of it. Um, you know, the Facebook, in, Instagram message stuff, I, I'm not as quick with because, you know, it just takes a little bit longer. You're on the water, to yeah. Do it. yeah. Um, but generally, you know, 
I get a call, a text, whatever, call them back, and I just send them my open dates and say, you know, here's what I think is going to be fishing. If you have a preference, I'll totally take you wherever you want to go. Um, but most people are kind of like, oh, I'll just let you decide whatever's mm-hmm. fishing the best because I, you know, I'm around so many waters. So what's your cell, what's your cell phone number and email address so that these guys and can... your social security? Yeah. So <laughs> blood type is no. Um, uh, phone number is five three zero three zero four eight four two one. And my email, uh, easiest is just jordanromney at gmail.com. Um, I also have my uh, website is driftonthefly.com. Cool name. Pretty easy to find. And that like blog's that. got some great info on there. Yeah, I'm trying to I'm trying to be better about it. Of course, you know, when I'm so busy right now, it's hard to get up on it. Um, I really like it. I You know, I found it to be pretty enjoyable to try to communicate about, you know, whatever I'm on my brain about fishing. And a lot more of that's on my brain and easy to communicate in the winter when I'm, you know, have more time to do it. Um, but, you know, I'll, I definitely have some stuff in the works. I have a really good blog that will probably come out this winter on rigging i mean it is very i know i, I got a to preview Chad of it it's awesome it's really really in depth that i gotta get i was like damn he's saying that that's a pretty in-depth yeah it's um, really really detailed you guys will like it you know as far as seasons go you know we're into fall and i think i have like three days on the calendar in october to book so you know i'm pretty busy this month i know november is pretty open at this point uh we'll see i mean i think the feather's gonna keep fishing pretty well in december and i think the yuba you know if, if there are big fish to keep catching um, we'll be out there all January. The Truckee will be really good through winter. I mean, winter fishing out there is great. Yeah. Pretty brutal on you, but fishing's right. pretty good. <laughs> and yeah, then that kind of pushes us into spring, but yeah, my calendar is just, you know, first come first serve. Cool. I like your, uh, Instagram to drift on the fly. If you guys haven't, uh, aren't following them, check it out. It's pretty cool. Um, right. And that, is that yeah, how that's, that's a, lot it. Of, a lot of Browns being posted. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> Well, thanks again, Jordan, for coming in and talking with us, man. I really appreciate it. Um, if you guys, listeners, have any comments or questions, you can hit us up on fishon at barbless.co. Check out our, our website at podcast.barbless.co. Any any feedback, uh, 530-636-2523. We will take your recording, and we will post it live, and then we will For the world to hear. <laughs> yeah. Make you famous. <laughs> Um, what else? I think that's it. Yeah. Okay. Sounds good, man. Thanks, guys. Yeah, cheers, guys. Thanks for having me. All right. This podcast would not be possible without support from our sponsors, FishBio and Amp.Bill. FishBio is a consulting firm that offers a fresh approach to fishery science. They specialize in fish research, monitoring, and conservation with innovative uses of technology and communication. From their offices in Chico, Oakdale, and Santa Cruz, California, to Vientiane, Laos, FishBio is committed to solving natural resource challenges locally and globally. Learn more at www.fishbio.com. And Amp.Bill. Amp is a software design and engineering shop located in Chico, California. Amp creates beautiful apps for mobile and desktop devices, wearables, and the Internet of Things. Amp develops native, web, and hybrid apps on a variety of platforms. Chad, who co-hosts this podcast, is the agency's founder. Learn more at www.amp.bill.